The following audio is from Summit Church. For more information on Summit Church, visit www.summitonline.tv. So it's been a couple weeks. The last thing you need to remember is that Jesus has just told his disciples, in a little while I'm going to leave. And then in a little while I'm going to be back. And they go, wait, what do you mean by a little while? And so literally we know what he means. In a couple hours I'm going to be arrested and I'm going to be crucified for the sins of all mankind. I'm going to be put in a tomb for about three days and then I'm going to rise from the dead. And you're going to see me again for a little while. And then after about 50 days I'm going to go back to heaven. I'm going to sit at the right hand of God the Father. So a little while you're going to see me then you're going to see me again for a little while. They're still trying to figure out what all that means. But right on the tail end of that statement is where we pick up in John chapter 16 verses 23 through 27. In that day, the day when you no longer see me, you will ask, you will no longer ask me anything. You're not going to get to ask me any questions. Very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. So when you no longer have me right beside you to go, hey, Jesus, what, what about this? How are we going to do this? What's this? When you no longer have me, it's not going to be a problem because you're literally going to be able to ask the Father. Through prayer and because of what I'm going to do, you're going to be able to petition, petition the God of the universe. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name, meaning you have not asked the Father. Okay, until now, you have not done that. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Hey, disciples, don't forget to pray. It's a good thing that I'm leaving because when I leave, you're going to get to talk directly to the Father. And if you ask him anything in my name, you will receive it. Anything for the mission, anything that lines up with my character, my person, you will have it. Though I have been speaking figuratively, meaning in parables, not giving everything you need to know specifically. I've held a few things back specifically from the religious leaders. Though I've been speaking figuratively for now, a time is coming when I will no longer use this kind of language, but will tell you plainly about my Father. I love how Jesus says this because in reality, it's the Holy Spirit that's going to be speaking plainly about the Father. The function of the Holy Spirit is to what? To remind the disciples of everything that Jesus told them. Do you remember what he said about that thing, about the one thing? Do, do, can you, is that, do you remember that? The Holy Spirit will remind you everything I taught you. Everything I've said. You will be able to ask directly the Father for anything you need in my name. No longer this figurative language. I'm going to explain it all. The Holy Spirit's going to tell you it all, and you're going to know the Father very well. In that day, you will ask in my name. I'm not saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf. I don't need to. You can talk to him directly. No, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from him. God loves you, and he wants to move on your behalf. And me leaving, once again, is not that big of a deal breaker, because in doing so, you get to talk directly to him. Church, do you realize that the God of the universe is willing and able to move on your behalf? Like, let that sink in. The one who created it all, you, me, all this, will literally listen to you and will move on your behalf. That's a huge thought. That's a tremendous blessing, right? The God of the universe will move when I ask him to move. You can actually influence him. Now you're going, well, he's a sovereign God. I mean, he runs it all. I, how, how much can I really influence him? I've, I've seen it in my life. 
I don't know if you've seen it in yours, but I've seen it in mine. As I was thinking through, you know where I've seen it the most? This is crazy. You know where I've seen it the most, though? It's when I'm praying for babies. Like little babies. Like still sometimes in their mama's babies. I've seen the sovereign hand of God move at my request the most with babies. One of the first times the most memorable is, I think this child's my second cousin because it's my cousin's baby. Maybe it's a third. It's like a cousin of cousins. But this little girl, her name's Harper. We get the, the call that Harper is like about to be born, but some kind of shoulder, something, but real severe. Like mom's in jeopardy, baby's in jeopardy. Even if baby comes out, never going to use the arm. Okay, like that, that's where we're at. That's the call we get. We start to pray. And I remember this. I'm like, God, you're already, you're already knitting Harper together. Like, you're, you're there. So since you're already in there, if you wouldn't mind, would you just come pop that sucker back? Kind of, you know, let her, let her just come out. And of course, I didn't pray that flippantly, but I'm like, you're, God, I mean, you, you're doing this. So can you just fix this real quick? And he did. And Harper's great now. And it was about two years later. Then I've told the story many times, but my oldest son, we go to the 20-week appointment, and they say, uh, amniotic bands. Like, there are these things that are going to wrap around him. He's going to lose an arm, a leg, a head. I mean, it's going to be bad. You, you just, nothing we can do, but just no. Don't, and literally, when the doctor says, don't go to the internet and look this up, you, you know that you don't want to go to the internet and look it up. So what, instead of going to the internet, we pray. We pray, God, we believe that you're knitting Bryce together right now. We, we know that you know Paige and her body, and can you just protect him? Can you hold him so tight for the next 20 weeks that when he comes out, he'll be fine? And can you do that? And we, we go to high-risk OBGYN with a super Doppler radar, and they're just like, do-do-do-do-do. And they, they said, are you sure? And he's looking at the scan from a week ago, and he goes, I, I don't see a single band. And I go, I, I know why. I can tell you why. Because we prayed to the God of the universe who was already making Bryce, and he's just like, paste those back in there. There's some of you in here that I've prayed that God would bless you with a child, that you'd be able to become pregnant. I prayed with you. And then I've got to see your baby. And I don't do that flippantly, but I'm like, you know, if, if there's anything that God's going to do, like if two parents that really, really want a baby, like they pray and they say, God, I really want a baby, and they, there's anything God's going to do. Like that's what he does. He makes babies. And the reason why I was thinking that I'm, I'm so likened to pray these bold prayers for babies, especially babies that are still in their mind, or babies that are yet to be born, is because I'm like, well, that's, I mean, I think most of us agree that God creates life. And if you don't, this is a safe place to have those thoughts. But I mean, like, I think for the most part, it's like God does that. And, and so it, it doesn't seem so out of this world that you could ask God, while he's already in there, to just, you know, make some repairs. It doesn't seem that far-fetched to me. So I ask for it. Well, believe it or not, God does it. But do you know you can pray that same prayer for adult-sized people? Like full-grown people, you can pray the same way and the same God can do the same type of stuff. They don't have to be just baby prayers. They can be big prayers. And I, I can show you biblically where a person causes God to move in a different direction. A, a person's prayer gets a sovereign God to do something he wasn't planning on doing. 
It's in Exodus 32. Now, the person's Moses, so maybe he had some special prayer juju or something, but it's right here. Exodus chapter 32, verses 9 through 14. I have seen these people, the Lord said to Moses. When God is speaking, you listen. I've seen these people, and they are stiff-necked people. They are disobedient, and they do not listen, and I am done with them. Now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them, and I may destroy them. These are God's people, the children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the Jewish nation, his chosen ones. And they have done ticked him off in such a way that he is going to start over. He is going to destroy them. Then I will make you, Moses, into a great nation. But Moses sought the favor of the Lord his God. He prayed. He petitioned the Lord. He sought the favor of the Lord his God. Lord, he said, why should your anger burn against your people whom you brought out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Why is that good? Why should the Egyptians be able to say it was with evil intent that you brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to wipe them off the face of the earth? Turn your fierce anger, relent, and do not bring disaster on your people. On your people, Remember your servant Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, to whom you swore by your own self, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and I will give your descendants all this land, I promise them, and it will be their inheritance forever. Remember? Remember God? Remember how you said these are your people? Let's... let's Let's not smite them all. Let's give them another chance. Verse 14. Then the Lord relented and did not bring on his people the disaster that he had threatened. I'm going to do this. Someone prays. I do this. Is God still sovereign? Yes. Should we pray? Absolutely. See, because I think one of the main reasons why people don't pray is they're like, well, God's going to do what God's going to do. Like, it doesn't matter. I can pray all night. He's still God. He's going to do what he's going to do. I believe this shows us that it's worth asking. Yes, God is going to ultimately do what God's going to do. But this is biblical proof that we can cause God to move in a different direction. He's still sovereign. He's still God, and you're still not. But church, we ought to be praying because the God of the universe says through his son Jesus, ask in my name and you will receive it. It's powerful. The next section is comical, but in the first service no one laughed. So I'm going to refrain from saying it's comical. I find it funny no one in the first service did. So either it's really not funny or they're not funny, you choose. But Here's what it says. Jesus, speaking in verses 28 through 31. I came from the Father, and I entered the world. That's not the funny part. Now, I am leaving the world and going back to the Father. Still not the funny part. Jesus is saying for at least the seventh time, just in the Gospel of John, that he came from God, he's returning to God. I'm going to leave. Okay, so we've heard this before. Then Jesus' disciples said, Oh, now you're speaking clearly and without figures of speech. And hey, remember, Jesus just said, I'm not going to speak figuratively anymore. And Jesus makes the same statement he's made at least seven times before. And they're like, oh, finally you're speaking clearly. These guys are morons. So just, just realize, 
Jesus has not changed from his figurative language. He's talking about later, but anyway. So, okay, now you're speaking clearly and without figures of speech. Now we can see that you know all things and that you do not even need to have anyone ask you the question. Now, I don't know what they're talking about, for sure. What it appears to be saying is that someone was about to ask, one of the disciples was about to ask, hey, are you leaving? Are you about to go? Are you going to return to the Father? What it appears to be saying is that they're saying, we were going to ask this question, and then you like mind read at us, and then you were just like, are you, yes, I am going back to the Father. Let's finish it. Jesus says, do you now believe? Do, do you now believe? So, okay, I don't think Jesus likes sarcasm, okay, because it's a nasty way to communicate, but this is sarcastic, all right? He is so upset. So I said something I've said seven times before. Right after I said, I'm not going to speak figuratively. So you tell me now I'm not speaking figuratively, and you tell me now you believe I'm the son of God because I guessed your question and answered it before you asked it. And then he goes, oh, so, you, so now, now, okay, I, I caused the blind to see, the lame to walk. I literally raised Lazarus from the dead. And because I answered a question you hadn't asked yet, now you believe I'm God. You guys are trouble. So that's funny to me. I like three laughs, so it's apparently not really funny, but it's funny to me. Here's the point of it. Jesus knows that nothing changed in the last five seconds. His disciples still have some work to do, just like we do. They still need to grow, just like we do. And Jesus reminds them in verses 32 and 33. So now that you believe, I just want you to know this. The time is coming, and in fact has come, when you will scatter each to your own home, you will leave me all alone. So now that you've made this bold statement that you believe, let me just tell you what's going to happen in the next few hours. I'm going to be arrested and literally you're all going to run like cowards. You're going to disappear and you're going to leave me alone. Even, I'm glad you believe I'm the Son of God. I'm glad you believe everything I say is true. But you, this is what's going to happen in the next few hours. Yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. I've told you these things so that in me you might have peace. Okay, why do we need the peace? Because in this world you will have trouble. Okay, we, we've heard all this before, but these are some, some of Jesus' final, final words. I'm just telling you this so that when you do leave and abandon me, you, you keep the faith. You can find some peace. And then something only Jesus says. He says it six times in the New Testament. But take heart. Be full of hope. Rejoice. Take heart. I have overcome the world. You will have trouble in this world, but be filled with hope. I've overcome this world. I told you it's one of my favorite passages. Okay? I told you it's one of my favorite passages because as a father, as a, as a person, I love to be able to look at my children. I love to be able to look at my staff here. And I love to be able to definitively say, I got this. To my boys, I've got you, I've got this. To let them know that. As a father, there's no greater joy than for your children to be able to know, hey, daddy's got this, he's got me. And now Jesus is saying that. Take heart, I've overcome the world. It's going to get weird. It's going to get hard. But I've got this. 
I've got you. Don't worry, I've got you. Who needs to hear that today? Who needs to hear that the Lord of the universe says, I've got you. And the way I know I've got you is that anything this world can bring at you, I've covered it. I've overcome it. I've conquered it. I've got you. There have been many times in my life where I've done the pity party parade. You ever had a pity party for yourself? Come on, those are fun parties, right? He's like, the money's not there, the marriage is hard, the job's not happening. Oh, the doctor wants to talk after church. Like, this is horrible. I'm so sad and lonely. You ever, you ever just thrown a big old pity party? I, I've had some good ones. I've even invited some people into my pity parties. They, they, they thanked me later. You know what more often than not pulls me out of that pity party? This promise. I've got this. When there's not enough money in the checking account to pay all the bills, I've got this. When the marriage doesn't seem great, I've got this. When the doctor does have bad news, I've got this. When you're sad and you don't know why, I've got this. I've got it. Take heart. I've overcome the world. Who needs to hear that today? There's some of you who believe that with everything in you. And there's some of you who don't. And here's the reason why some of you don't. Because you go, I read it, I can say it, but it does not appear to be true in my life. If he's got this, he is doing a horrible job. And you go, I'm glad that brings you out of your pity party, Todd, but I am still deep into mine. And you can tell me that he's got it. You can even ask me to come pray. You can do all that, but just it's, I guess my world is just a little too rough for him. Can I help can I help you see something that I think you're missing and that's the reason why you don't believe this? How did Jesus overcome the world? See, that's important. How he overcame it is the same way that he's going to overcome it in your life. And the way that Jesus overcame the world was through sacrifice. He had to die to overcome the world. And what specifically did he overcome? Sin and death. So when he says, take heart, I have overcome the world, he's saying, I have conquered sin, which is a huge part of all of our pity parties. I've conquered that, I've removed it, I've washed your sins away, and I've conquered death. So see, I think a lot of us go, all right, Jesus, you got this. You've overcome the world. Okay, I've got these problems, so come fix them. Jesus did not overcome the world by creating a bank where everyone became millionaires because he does not believe that money will overcome this world. 
He did not create a marriage clinic where everyone can come and love each other for the rest of their lives and have beautiful children and have so much joy. He didn't create a marriage clinic. Even though he's the great physician, he didn't even make a hospital. He didn't create a hospital. He didn't create a job site where everyone can have the best job in the world. He didn't come as a counseling clinic where we can deal with your depression and anxiety and fear and worry. He came and he died. And he conquered death. That's how he conquered the world. So when you're sitting there going, I, I you just don't see it in my life, then I want you to realize what he actually conquered. He conquered the evil sin that wars within your soul. That causes you to choose the most awful things for your life. That causes you to say the most awful things. That causes you to do the most awful things. He conquered that. And then even if this world kills you, he conquered death. Church, he's got this. He's got it. But make sure you understand what he's got. Sin and death, no more. Trouble, yep. It's going to be there. But don't forget even in that. You can go straight to the God of the universe and ask him for anything in Jesus' name and you'll receive it. And you're going, well, okay, what, is, what are the limitations of that? I think they need to be in the character of Christ. I think they need to be for the purpose of Christ. But I also know that God just loves you. And how do I know that? Because he sent his only son to die for you. And if he loves you that much, you can take any request before him. And I bet he'll do something. I bet he'll move in some way. So take heart. I've overcome the world. The band's going to come back up here, and also today we're going to take communion together. So ushers, go start passing it out, okay? Ushers, go pass. Band, head back up. When you get the bread and the cup, hold it. We're going to take it together here in just a moment, so hold it. But here's why I want to do it this way. When you're holding the bread and the cup, all right, just, just think, think with me here. You're seeing a symbol of Jesus' body and his blood that were broken for you, that were sacrificed for you, the blood that washed away all of our sins. You're reminded of how much God loves you. And I think today, in light of this passage, as you take the bread and the cup, I think we will also be reminded of the promise that Jesus has overcome this world. So when, when, you, when we take it here in a moment... I don't just want to remember the cross. I want to remember what the cross gained. And that is the conquering of sin and death. And through conquering sin and death, Jesus can proclaim that he's overcome the world. So as they're passing, when you get it, I just want you to hold it. And I'm going to be quiet for a minute. And just let you think about that. The truth that Jesus has this. And he has you. We'll take it together here in just a moment. Do you, do you have it in your hands? Do you have the bread and the cup? 
as you think about the cross and as you think about what Jesus did, be thankful. Be mindful of the sacrifice that was made for you. But also remember the promise that was guaranteed. That through the breaking of this body and the shedding of this blood, Jesus overcame this world. And he gives you the promise that you do not have to fear, you can take heart. Because through his sacrifice, he has removed the ability for this world to crush you. And that is good news. He's removed sin and death. So church, this morning, let's take the bread together right now, remembering the body that was broken for you. In church, let's take the cup, remembering the blood that was shed that washes away all sins. The sins that crushed this world have now been wiped away. Father, we thank you today that you have done for us what we could not do for ourselves. You have conquered sin and death by the sending your son Jesus to die on the cross. You loved us so much, so extravagantly. Let us live today as those who have been forgiven. Let us live for you, mindful of you, and with great hope, knowing that Jesus, you have conquered sin and death, and you have overcome this world. We need no longer fear. For Jesus, you are with us. And we thank you. We thank you for the sacrifice that you made. It's in your beautiful name we pray. Amen. Church, today as we respond to what you just took, it would be proper to celebrate, to praise the name of Jesus. But it would also be proper to ask in the name of Jesus for anything that your heart desires, anything that God has promised you, anything in this world that is crushing you, you can come before the God of the universe and petition him to move. So as our pastors and our prayers are up here, let's do that. Not just for ourselves, let's do that for others. Let's, let's pray and ask the God of the universe to move and do so boldly because he has overcome this world. There is nothing that he has not overcome. So church, today, let's respond to that truth in a very real and genuine way, and let's do so right now as we stand and as we sing to him.